0: Through the sky. Yeah, man. Then it crashed out there. Crashed where? Out
1: there somewhere. Out there.
0: What the hell is that thing? It's a UFO. I told you. I told you!
1: Oh, shit! What the hell is that? Is that a person? Used to be.
0: A pack? What the hell is that? A prefabricated, animalistic, cybernetic killer. I am a tracker, sent to destroy him. Sent from space. Gotcha.
1: And now, our feature presentation. hello and welcome back to Screamatics foyerism i'm jinx your co-host i'm sitting here with my co-host scott foy scott i'm gonna call you scott tonight because i'm not happy with you foy so i'm just gonna call you scott all damn evening how do you like that you like that you like that foy i'm gonna call you scott i'm gonna use your first name because you made me watch this damn movie how's it going tonight
0: I love when you were texting me, just saying, like, this is, this is Stone Man bad. I'm like, okay, first of all, no, it's not that bad. And, and secondly, like, don't invoke that title, because I'll get Feeny in here, and we'll do that show. And you'll have to watch Stone Man again.
1: I'm ready. I'm ready. Let's do it, because you know what? You know what the difference is between the Stone Man and the pack? Okay, there are numerous differences, but you know what one stands out to me, boy? I, I stayed awake through all of the Stone Man
0: well, that sounds more like a personal issue. You've probably just had a long day or something because this movie, I mean, there's so much to enjoy. There's like the scenes of the guys walking in the woods, or the scenes of the girl walking in the woods, or the scenes, the point of view shots of the monster running through the woods, but it's never ever seen going that fast. There's also, uh, Oh, look, look, Let, let's explain to everybody what you,
1: this movie is. You, you, no, before we do that, I want to tell them, I want to give them my experience with this movie. You right. sold this film to me, much as you sold it to audiences at the very beginning of this episode, by telling me things like, it's Starman meets Predator. Sure, low budget, bit of a knockoff, but Starman, Predator, okay. That kind of sells me and it sold. I want to check it out. And then you're like, no, 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 no. Actually, it's more like Predator meets Road Roadhouse. And I was just like, Okay, all right. I could Predator House. I got it. Okay, okay, that could be kind of. And you're like, no, 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 no. Actually, it's like Predator by way of Rocky Five, and I'm one of the seven people on the planet that actually really likes Rocky Five. So at this point, I was expecting something pretty great, and I got to tell you something, for you. Do, do, I, I, my experience. With you recommending movies to me, it always comes down to that first two minutes of whatever movie you tell me to watch, right? In that first two minutes, I will know if this is some amazing, incredible gem that I'm going to have a blast with, that I'm going to have a lot of fun with, and I'm going to think is just downright special, and that I can't wait to share with people. Or it's something like The Stone Man or The Pack, in the first two minutes, there's something that happens where I realize, like, it's, it, it, it's like, you know, to, to, to talk about Rocky movies, let's go back to Rocky three. I hear Mr. T saying the word pain. Two minutes in on some of these movies, and that was definitely the case with the pack.
0: Okay, now let me say a couple of things in my defense. Number one, I never actually said it was like Starman meets Roadhouse. That, what I have been told... By someone who works on this movie is what the original concept was. And even I told you there ain't much, there's there's really not a whole lot of roadhouse in this movie. There's a lot of rednecks, but not a whole lot of roadhouse. Secondly, I stand by the description of Starman versus Predator because the monst- the movie is clearly a Predator knockoff. The mon the evil monster of the pack is clearly a predator ripoff. And the hero of the film is clearly based on Starman. And finally, I yeah, but sta- you,
1: you can't compare him to Starman when he's like discount Christian Bale, though. Like he's that guy. Like he's he's oh god, Jeff Bridges. He is not, sir.
0: No, he, he he's he's give, he's giving one of those performances where it's like, all right, I'm trying to be like Starman at the beginning of Starman, where he still didn't quite understand what it was to be human and trying not to like have any personality because he doesn't understand that yet <sighs> the problem is he stays that way for the entire film
1: this is so- a 90 minute movie i'm sorry it's an 88 minute movie and they devote an entire minute to this son of a bitch staring at his hands like he's in absolute awe of them like oh look at these What are these? What could I do with these? Oh, look at these little things. Oh, my God. Hey, this is neat. I have a killer fucking robot running around that I need to be stopping, but holy, check this out.
0: Well, yes, but here's the thing. He figures out what to do with those hands, and they consist of A, walking around through the woods with his metal wiffle ball and holding it up and just pretending like it's somehow scanning or directing for things, and two, punching. Because the reason I compare this movie to Rocky V is I've never seen a Predator knockoff where most of the combat between two aliens is just them punching each other out in the field like the alley fight from Rocky V. And they do it like three times in the movie. Dude, that final (laughs) fight. Oh. Pain. I, I believe I just yeah, there's so much punching through like open areas in this movie. It's like I called it I called his character the quiet star man. This is like the quiet man but with aliens.
1: <laughs> that final fight scene between the uh the the whatever the hell the pack is, we'll get into that, and then the star man character, like it goes on so long, and only it, listeners out there, let me try and paint a picture for you here. You you have again what looks to be Christian Bale's dumb older brother in a uh, Michael Myers from Halloween one set of overalls, uh, j- fighting. I I don't even know how to describe the predator. Wait, wait, hold on a second.
0: You know what he's like? He's like if Michael Myers escaped, stole the overalls of a gas station attendant, but then decided to just become a gas station attendant. <laughs>
1: That's yeah, maybe they were just nodding at Carpenter, you know, uh, full throttle in this movie. It's like, yeah, we got a little bit of Halloween, we got a little bit of Starman. No, he's okay, so you got him, you got the friggin' uh, the the titular character who is we'll talk about him later, but just picture in your mind's eye like a really low rent action version of uh, an alien creature with like sunglasses disc eyes with one of them's red and it fires laser it's fucking terrible anyway the two of them basically just wail on one another for the longest time and it literally consists of just like there's an over the shoulder you know on one of them getting punched and then it reverses to an over the shoulder on that one getting punched and then it just goes on and on and on And on and on to the point where I actually thought the movie, which is from 1997, was just kind of this weird Adult Swim style troll of a movie, you know, there's, but it's too earnest to be that, I think. So, uh, boy, I gotta tell you, this movie was a chore to sit through. At least the stone man, I could sit slack jawed while watching just that abomination unfold. This... This this is something else entirely. It, it's not shockingly awful, but it's, it's just so damn dull and bad and poorly made.
0: I, I put this movie into the category of like, sometimes you find yourself liking a movie for reasons you cannot discern, even though you're fully aware the movie is crap, and you can't really reasonably say to anyone, you should check this out, because it's not really worth checking out. And yet at the same time, I, you know, what, maybe that's why I didn't get checked out much from the video store, because my first memory of ever sc- encountering this movie was I saw it on a video store shelf in probably 97, and it was a mom and pop video store. So this was like right before Yeah, this movie had the unfortunate thing of coming out on VHS from like an indie label right about the time that like Blockbuster and movie galleries started putting all the mom and pop shops out of business. And I don't think I've ever heard of this movie being on um, on a, on any kind of, like, a show. I mean, look, here's how obscure this movie is. And it's one of the reasons I wanted to do this episode. There's pretty much no reviews for this movie anywhere. If you go onto IMDb, you got, like, maybe two user reviews. There's, like, one critic review, and it, like, links to, like, a TV guide blurb, which is, like, wait, this aired on television? Ever? And then if you go to, like, Letterboxd, you find, like, three reviews from people. That's it. It's like this thing exists in such obscurity that uh, there is someone involved in this movie behind the scenes that listeners may be familiar with named Ben Rock. And a special effects guy turned uh, uh, movie director, Alien Raiders. You might know that film.
1: Yeah. No, I I love Ben Rock. He worked on uh, Shudder's Video Palace, which is one of the best fucking podcasts to have come out in ages. Uh, It's genuinely terrifying. And then on top of that, he was a guest on this podcast, like way, 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 way back in the day. Um, He also, I mean, he designed the iconic Stickman figure from Blair Witch, like, love Ben Rock. Uh, It's just, and here's the thing, it makes me feel bad to hear that, like, there are not that many reviews out there, because I would hate for somebody who worked on this movie to just be randomly searching the title and happen across this podcast, and then, here it is, all it amounts to is 60 minutes of us kind of uh, uh, beating the shit out of the movie. I will say this, like, I'm I'm gonna be brutally honest, like, I'm not gonna pull any punches because of that, but I will say, to anybody out there listening, if you did work on the movie, hey, you made a movie. Like, that's awesome. It got completed, it got put on VHS, it's out there in the world, people can check it out, I applaud you for that, making movies is assuredly ridiculously tough. Uh, so, you know, my hat's off to you for that. Um, but it's just... But at the same time, i got to be honest about my reaction to the film itself.
0: I love the fact that you're so apologetic to anyone listening. And meanwhile, I've spoken with Ben Rock, and he's like, yeah, it's pretty terrible. (laughs) (laughs) I remember he told me, it's like, you know, I watched it again about a year ago. And it's like, it wasn't as bad as I remembered. And which is funny, because he seemed to remember it about being about as good as you remember it. And I, on the other hand, like, look. I kind of enjoy this movie for the, the, and this is one of those movies where like the flaws are the thing that I kind of enjoy, but it's not, it's, 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 it's terrible.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So why, maybe, maybe we can parse that out a bit here on this podcast. We're three episodes of foyerism and, what you know we you, you have talked even beyond this podcast when you've made appearances on Scream Addicts before you know you've talked about the idea of wabi-sabi and uh how that applies to certain movies you like like Golden Bat which is a good movie and was not a complete waste of my time uh so when you choose a movie like The Pack to talk about what is what is what's going on there Foy what is your uh what's your thought processes like telling you in that moment like hey I have promised many times to do this cool-looking A Nightmare on Vietnam Street kind of movie at a certain point, which I know Jinx really wants to watch. But instead, I'm going to have him watch this movie called The Pack. Like, what's what, uh, what, what pilots you in moments like that, sir? Well,
0: first of all, it was kind of just a last-minute call. Because... <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: we're I, I we're, we're just, doing this podcast on a whim, that should not instill confidence in any of our <laughs> listeners, sir.
0: Well, also, uh, the movie I originally wanted to do, it's like, it's like I'm trying to find out a little more background information on it. And also, as I said, I thought I, I decided the, the, uh, the Nightmare on Vietnam Street movie, as we're talking about, would probably be better suited right around the Fourth of July. Okay, fair enough. And, and this one I can pretty much, I could practically riff on off the top of my head because I've actually seen it a couple of times. Um, And I don't know. I don't know why. I I don't know know why I've seen I've seen this movie at least three or four times. And I'm just like, I don't know why. It's like I'm watching and going, oh, my God, it's just it's a guy. It's a man and a man in a monster suit just punching each other in the woods of Alabama. Look, I made a montage. It's on YouTube. I called it the the pack, the Rocky five of Predator films. It's just (laughs) nothing. There's no dialogue, nothing. It's just. It's just cut from the three different times that they get into a fist fight. It's three minutes long. And that was cut down from, I think, I, if I just used every scene, of, every scene of them punching each other, it probably would have been about twice the three, somewhere between six and nine minutes long. That's how much punching there is. It goes on forever to the point that it almost feels like parody, except, as you put it, it's not.
1: Please so tell make- me yeah. that you cut that montage to audio from Rocky 5, because I really want that weird 90s like do, 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 you know, like music in the background while uh saying, no, no, like, Go on, it, dad, go for it.
0: No, it's actually just footage from the movie. Uh, I, I cut I cut two montages from this movie about seven years ago. I did the one that was just the punching, and then I did one that's about like about I think about four or five minutes. It's just like the entire movie encapsulated into about like five minutes, which maybe I should have just sent you that instead of the whole movie and saved you
1: some mental anguish that'd have been grand that would have been grand for. I tell you what, okay we're well into bashing this movie just for listeners who have hung on this long. do you want to tell them just in a brief little capsule what <laughs> what the story is
0: well, the pack is the uh the tale. Of a, an alien super soldier that gets knocked off course and crash lands in the backwoods of Alabama, where it immediately wakes up and begins murdering so many rednecks. This film has already been given the uh, NAACP uh, movie of the year. I mean, we, we kill rednecks like they're going out of style. <laughs> but, then, but then, fortunately, a good alien has come to Earth. And he wears a he wears a a gas station jumpsuit and he has a metal wiffle ball that he looks like he bought from Spencer's gifts. And I'm not kidding when I say it's a metal wiffle ball, because there is a scene later in the movie where he's fighting the pack and the pack knocks the ball out of his hands and we see it bouncing like a ping pong out of the shot. So it's so so anyway, so they, they he's here to track the alien. And that's what he does, by mostly just slowly walking through the woods while holding the whiffle ball up in the air and just pretending like it's scanning and bringing him in the direction of the pack, which somehow is hard to track, even though, as I mentioned, it's just murdering rednecks left and right. And then, it, and then we introduce to a group of, nation, of NSA agents who are introduced just long enough so that they can all get killed by the pack. But one of them survives... And she ends up joining forces with the tracker, and the rest of the movie is them just still following the the pack while it's slaughtering rednecks. And then they fight. And meanwhile, there's also a redneck sheriff who's suffering from very serious diarrhea, and he meets up with a uh, X-Files-type UFO buff who wears a, um, a Mr. Rogers sweater, and is so mild-mannered, he doesn't even seem remotely plausible. As like, I'm a conspiracy theorist who believes in UFOs. He seems more like your he seems more like a Sunday school teacher, to be quite honest. <laughs> that's how that's the kind of personality he has. The person, the Mr. Rogers sweater is also his persona. And they and they develop a bromance while following in, in pursuit of the same creature. And then they mostly end up just all watching from the sidelines while. The alien good guy and the alien bad guy just punch each other.
1: You uh, Don't forget the rocket launcher.
0: Oh, well, I, I, now you've spoiled the whole movie. Good job. I'm sorry. <laughs> you, you, know what the, you know what the pack is to me? It, it, it's, I, I, it, it's a movie that's no damn good. And yet for some reason, despite being full aware of, of its no damn goodness, I just have this soft spot for it and I don't really know why. But to me, it always kind of strikes me as sort of like what a Predator knockoff would be like if Predator had never been made in the first place, <laughs> which I, I don't know if that makes sense.
1: No, no it's, it's,
0: almost, no. it's a Predator knockoff made by aliens who've never seen Predator, but they're trying to rip it off. I don't know.
1: The same Boy, way. That- I, I think I know why you like this movie. It's why you like any number of movies. The Stone Man included. You, sir, are a cinematic masochist. You're a cinemasochist.
0: I, I don't know. I mean, you, you know what? I have this. I, I have a soft spot for Don Doler's Night Beast, which which is kind of what this is in the same vein as, or actually maybe it, it's sort of like a halfway point between Don Doler's Night Beast and Don Doler's Galaxy Invader, because Galaxy Invader was just a remake of Night Beast, but it was done more for TV audiences with a PG level, and it was and it was about killing a lot of rednecks, and <laughs> and this one, and it really, if you look at Galaxy Invader. And you look at Night Beast, and if those two creatures mated, you might have ended up with the pack.
1: (laughs) Okay, so we keep saying the pack, the pack, the pack, and inevitably, anybody reads that title, I know when I did, I thought, huh, that I have something to do with dogs, probably monster dogs or sci-fi creature dogs or something like that, but it's got to have something to do with dogs, right? You call a a horror movie the pack, there's got to (laughs) be damn dogs in there. Foy, please tell me why an alien race apparently uses English. Uh, because that's the only way that that damn title and that name makes sense because it's an acronym using English.
0: Yes, it's yes, prefabricated animalistic cybernetic killer, which sounds like an acronym you, you get for like a G.I. Joe action figure from the 80s. Cobras created some sort of new half human, half animal hybrid that they're unleashing upon the world. And it's like, nope, nope, that's the one that the aliens came up with. And, that, and let me tell you something, prefabricated animalistic cybernetic killer is really straining for an acronym. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is <laughs> cannibalistic humanoid underground dwellers. It, it just doesn't roll off the tongue that well. It's, it's, it, 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 I mean, again, it sounds like something Cobra would have come up with. But, but actually, you know what? I, I just thought about it. It, it. Imagine an episode of G.I. Joe in which Cobra created it would be something that Cobra Commander Destro and Zartan and they would end up hurling insults at one another after their new surefire Joe crushing creation, the pack.
1: Success at last, Destro
0: <laughs> has been unleashed, and then unfortunately, <laughs> like shipwreck, kicked its butt.
1: No! No!
0: And no doubt the whole time, Baroness would be standing off on the side, rolling her eyes, and you know, c- calling up Evil Lynn to start a support group for brunette hotties assisting incompetent megalomaniacal toy line supervillains. It's like, you're not going to believe what he came up with this week. Yeah, the pack. Prefabricated animalistic cybernetic killer. And then Evil Lynn would be like, yeah, you think that's bad? Have
1: you met Mossman? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Scarlet surely would be the one to take out the pack with a rocket launcher, though, right? Like, that what happened?
0: This would be like Shipwreck throwing the apples at the amoeba in that one episode. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) <laughs> okay, so anyway, w- w- so here's the thing. It's, so it's called the pack. And you would still think with that name, there would be more than one. But no, it's just one. It's just one creature, and it's called the pack. So even by that standard, that name doesn't the – the, pa- pa- the word pack implies multiples. It implies a pack. Not just one creature that I, I – maybe because it comes out of a blister pack from outer space – I mean that's what it looks like when you see what this thing came out. It came down in, and to describe it, it I mean, Ben Rock, uh, just, he designed the alien for this movie. For the movie had a budget, for what I've been told, of sixty-five thousand dollars, and five thousand of that went to, uh, went to, five thousand of that went to de- the design of the creature. That's all he had to work with, and the, it actually it's not that bad a design. For a nineteen seventy seven Roger Corman ripoff of Star Wars, but in nineteen ninety seven.
1: <laughs>
0: it kind of looks... I'm trying to describe what it looks like. It kind of looks like a guy in a jumpsuit with reptile, with three-fingered reptile claw hands, and then he has this face that kind of looks like uh, a, a, an alien pirate. An alien pirate, and, but his eye patch is like a robot eye that shoots a laser beam. that, that kind of like... he, that, 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 Yeah, that's my description of the monster.
1: It the yeah. yeah, honestly when when they kept him at a distance when he was kind of shadowy at the very beginning you know just sort of laying waste all the uh, the rednecks it's kind of like oh okay you know that's actually like it, it kind of works in its own way right you know you just see him in the distance you see the laser beam kapow and it works uh, and then when they do that first big reveal of him it's just kind of like oh god. You know what
0: the pack looks like? If the pack had been had in fact been a creature from a G.I. Joe episode, this looks like the cosplay someone would wear at a convention. Like, look, oh my God, check it out. He's dressed up like the pack from that episode of G.I. Joe. <laughs> <laughs> he, anyway. yeah, he,
1: or, or maybe like the dumb younger brother of uh, the creature from Split Second. You know, I could see those two guys like hanging out in a bar, having a couple of drinks, and then inevitably one of them has too much and beats the shit out of the other one. Like, the pack is the one who gets the shit kicked out of him, I think, in that scenario. That's just me. That's spitballing. That's where my mind went while trying to watch this movie, boy.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, again, it's like it's called the pack, prefabricated animalistic cybernetic killer, which would make sense if it had been created by an, an evil corporation or the military, not by an alien race, which I guess. I guess I guess coming up with an English acronym like that for a monster like that they created a super soldier is the same way like you know whether you, like the way Americans love getting tattoos written in Japanese or Chinese. <laughs>
1: so,
0: <laughs> the only thing I can figure on that.
1: So, hey, so anyway, tell, here's- tell me something. Why? Why is it? Please tell me. Why is he such a murdering douchebag? The pack. Why? And uh, you know if the aliens are going to send him there, if he crash lines, like why? Why Alabama, sir?
0: Well, Alabama's be- Well, Well, here's something you have to understand about the, tie, the backstory of this movie, which is that uh, once upon a time, there was a direct-to-video company called Action International Pictures, and it was primarily run by David and Ted Pryor. David Pryor mostly did writing and directing. Ted Pryor starred in most of the movies. Ted Pryor is in this movie, and he plays the, uh, the, the good, the star man. Now, David Pryor actually—he uh, di- um, didn't direct it. He, he co-wrote the script, and he has—and he also, I believe, from what I've been told, uh, most of the movie was shot on his property at his house. So, and and they shot a lot of movies back in the day in Alabama. They they did stuff in mostly. The, it seemed like they only filmed movies in three locations: California, uh, New Orleans, and the 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 woods outside of Mobile, Alabama, which is even funnier when you consider they made a lot of movies that were set in Vietnam and South America, <laughs> and they shot most of them in the wilds of Alabama. So, and th- so they and by that by the time the pack was made, uh, Action International Pictures. I mean, they only had like about a five five year window, and they were pretty much done by this point. But this so this is so. I actually have a soft spot for Action International Pictures. Even though, much like with this movie, I understand a lot of their movies are... They're kind of like... I I made the Asylum joke earlier. Action International Pictures was kind of like the Asylum version of Canon Films. And this movie is kind of like the I Can't Believe It's Not Butter of Action International Pictures. (laughs) (laughs) So, so, yeah, it's...
1: What would the asylum version of, like, say, Firewalker have been?
0: Walking with fire? I don't know. <laughs> it, just, it, it would have. You know what? You know what? Based on how most asylum movies were, there would have been a. There would have been way less fire and a whole lot of walking. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, this movie was basically originally pitched. From what I've been told. Again, uh, it, it, it's it's kind of funny because. I I tweeted about this movie not having not not realizing for some reason. I just I I didn't I didn't remember like all the credits. So like, oh wait, Ben Rock. (laughs) And Ben Rock actually saw it. And then I found out later on he'd actually been showing people those two YouTube videos I made. He'd been showing people (laughs) for years. That's Uh how obscure this movie is. You can't even find you if you go to YouTube and try to find a trailer for this movie, you won't. For the longest time, the only stuff out there was basically these two videos I made for this movie that
1: I like, even though I know it's terrible. I don't. <laughs> My goodness. It is, it is, it is a. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm not going to start saying stuff like it's a special film. It's, a, you know, or even talk about how painful it was because I don't, I don't want to inadvertently push any listeners towards potentially watching this thing. I don't know about you. It, it's enough. I think just to hear about it, I could have okay. just heard about it, Foy. That would have been okay. enough.
0: Okay, so the pack itself is quite this low rent monstrosity. It's a lanky, semi reptilian humanoid with ray ban eyes, one of which fires a laser beam of inconsistent power. This is one thing you you, you were asking a second. Why is it such a murdering bastard? Well, first of all, that's the only reason it exists. According to the according to our good alien, because uh, most of what he's there for is just to like get. Give us some vague backstory about what's going on. Because we, 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 I mean, we've, we've, we've wasted too much time. We need to do he- heavy editing on this episode. We, let's, let's get down to the, the nitty-gritty of this thing, okay? This movie is about a good alien called The Tracker, because that's what he does. He tracks, and you can tell, because most of the movie is, again, just him walking around with his magic wiffle ball and holding it in the air, trying to track the alien, until he actually finds the alien, and then the wiffle ball starts shooting lightning. I've also given the alien. I've also given him a acronym of his own. Tiresomely redundant alien creature killer exploring randomly. I think that's a good acronym for Tracker. <laughs> uh, could also be uh, also could be tiresomely roaming alien creature killing explaining randomly. Because
1: oh, that okay, one let, fits better.
0: <laughs> okay, so look, let's just let's just lay it out here, okay. The alien falls from space, wakes up in the woods of Alabama. It's supposed to be this, like, unstoppable super soldier of which they apparently breed thousands of and send them off to planets to fight wars for them. But you can't really do it that way because – well, I mean, sorry. You can't – what I mean to say is you'd have to have thousands of those packs because they're actually really bad at killing. I mean, if you really look at it, this thing – there's a scene where there's a car driving straight at the pack, and it just keeps firing lasers that miss. This thing has terrible aim, but I mean, it's good at like slashing people with its claws. And then sometimes it hits people with their, it hits people with the laser and just like, boom, explode, dead. And then other times it hits somebody in the shoulder and it's like, oh, it's like they got shot with a like a small caliber gun. There's no consistency to it. And one look at the pack's three-fingered baseball mid-hands and all the thing I could think of like was like, this, this... Cr- creature instead of landing in Alabama it should have landed somewhere where it could have made a great career playing highlight that that creature would have dominated the sport these these hands are just it's just one finger on one side one finger on the other and a giant finger in the it it looks like it looks like if somebody like if a like if a baseball glove grew scales and was weaponized so any and there's something about this fact the pack's facial expressions that kept making me think it just wanted to tell like it just wanted to chill out and buy a beer. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't really, the face never really looks like, grr, I'm going to kill you. The face looks like, like I know I'm supposed to kill you, but come on, dude. What, come on, just give me a minute,
1: okay? <laughs> we have a remake that's maybe just a tad more Iron Giant, you think? Superman.
0: I don't know. It just needed to be, it needed to be a little more hulking, I think. because like, <laughs> I, I described it as looking lanky. I mean, it's about the same size as the tracker when they fight. I mean, it looks like it'd be really good at running, which is weird because we constantly, for the early part of the movie, we see POV shots of this thing looking like it's going super speed, like evil dead point of view through the woods. And then we actually see it and it's like slowly walking up towards someone. (laughs) It's taking its sweet time. So anyway, dead rednecks <laughs> and reports of a flying saucer caused trouble for the local mobile Mobile County Sheriff, with a cigar-chomping, scenery-chewing good old boy, played by Red West from the movie Roadhouse. And he's actually he's actually the best, maybe the best character in the movie because he's having fun.
1: He's easily he's like, it's easily the best performance, and it's not even close. Like that guy is on another level compared to everybody else in this film.
0: Because the, the three stars of the movie. Are Ted Pryor, who's playing the Starman the way you would play like he he's it's like the Starman from the beginning of the movie, a Starman, when he just becomes human and he doesn't understand emotions or humanity or anything, except he stays that way for the entire movie. There's no growth of the character. And then you have the uh, uh Sandal Bergman is in this movie because we have we've gone all this time, haven't you mentioned she plays. The lone surviving NSA agent. We'll get to that in a moment. And she's, <laughs> I mean, most of the movie, she's, she's not really bad, but she doesn't have much of anything to do. She's there for the ride. Literally, she's just in the car with the other NSA agents. And then after the pack kills them all, she's just wandering around the woods with uh, with, with Starman asking him questions. And so that he can explain what's going on. And a lot of the time she just kind of looks like, God, I'm ha-. she looks like someone who's having a really bad day and needs a cigarette. That's that's the personality for most of the movie.
1: There is a moment early on when she, I, I swear you can almost pinpoint the moment when she decides to phone in the rest of her performance. I doubt the movie was shot sequentially, but just go with me on this. There is an early scene where she shares just a moment with another character and they have kind of like just the back and forth And I swear you can tell that she's trying really hard in the first half to carry that scene. And the other actor is just giving her nothing. Like it's just as wooden as can be. Just projecting their words like they're reading off of cue cards as opposed to, you know, just acting, I guess. And at a certain point in that scene, I think you just see her soul leave her. And she just kind of, her shoulders slump a little bit And you can almost see it in her eyes Where she's just kind of like Eh, fuck it, it's a paycheck I'll just, yeah, just autopilot from here on
0: Yeah, we'll, we'll get to her in a second But first we have to talk about the sheriff Who's got a big, who's straight out of a Smokey and the Bandit film He's pounding down, up and trucking. And he's got a big problem. And, I, I, and I'm not talking about the aliens that are running amok in his town. I'm talking about diarrhea. His introductory <laughs> scene has him complaining about suffering from loose bowels after eating his wife's cooking the night before. And the scene of them investigating, like, body parts strewn about, people massacred by something. And the scene ends with him just, like, clutching his stomach and having to make a run for the john because he's about to shit himself again. Let me tell you something. If scenery had calories, by the end of this movie, Red West would have weighed eight hundred pounds.
1: <laughs> <Because>
0: <laughs> that might be why he has indigestion. And it's even more. You even his his scenery chewing is even more so when you put him next to the most mild mannered UFO expert of all time. This guy who's just like, I believe in aliens, and I think they're. I think I think you and I should. I think you should listen to what I have to. say say because i believe there's an alien running amok here i'm sorry i just said that with too much personality this guy just <laughs> he really just he just doesn't he he he's just again, like again like i said he just he feels like a like a teacher come on sheriff we've confirmed that something came down here last night right here in this area very close to where those people were killed as a matter of fact, <laughs> just, Usually, usually the conspiracy theorist types in these movies are a little kookier, and this guy is just so calm and mild manner. Meanwhile, the NSA agents come across as assholes. <laughs> the NSA agents who, okay, so they found all these bodies from the massacre by the the pack the night before. The NSA agents just drive up in some beat up jalopy at a at a where a cop. Has, it's like, hey, hey, roadblock. No one can go through here. Oh, why not? Well, we can't tell you that. Well, we're, we're with the National Security Agency. You should let us. We, we need to go through right away. They don't show any kind of badges. That's one thing about this movie. There's several scenes where characters identify themselves as NSA agents, and they're all dressed in casual wear. They look like they just came out of, like, the bar in this town, and they don't ever, like, offer up any of it. Yeah. Where were the NSA? Oh, really? Yes. Do you have any, uh, why are you here? Can't tell you. It's classified. And then before they could do anything else, the NSA agent behind the wheel of the car decides just to like step on the accelerator and take off, just floors it. And then we have one of the most bizarre chase scenes ever put on film. And the reason it's bizarre is because one, there's no reason for these NSA agents in this car to be having a speeding a car chase through the woods because there was no reason for them to blow through that checkpoint. There with the NSA, just show some credentials. <laughs> two. And, and tell me if you noticed, tell me if you Tell me if you picked up on this. They the, the car chase goes on for two minutes. It's just two minutes of just like cut to a shot of one car driving, cut to a shot of the other car, cut to the shot to a cut shot of the other car back and forth, cut inside to like the NSA agents going, come on, is this as fast as you can go? I mean, they're having fun.
1: The, Sandal, it goes on and on and on. Yeah. Like that was the first, that's kind of the first hint. That's kind of the first preview that this movie is going to be doing a whole hell of a lot of padding Wait. to get to feature Like That's like the fucking Energizer bunny, that Chase. Wait.
0: you haven't let me finish because they actually... The, the, the squad car almost wrecks and the chase ends except the chase doesn't end they're no longer being chased but we still watch another solid one minute, 90 seconds of this car speeding through the woods while everyone's egging on the driver to drive faster <laughs> <And> it's like <laughs> the thing's <scene's> over <laughs> Why are you still chasing? Why are you still why are you still doing 80 through the woods? There's no logical reason for this. I mean, this is like a Dukes of Hazard chase, except there's no cops at this point. So, anyway, that totally senseless scene comes to an end. And then the NSA agents all gather at this house in the woods, and we spend nearly 15 minutes learning about their backgrounds, their history, their interest in extraterrestrial life their inability to get along with one another and then suddenly out of nowhere the pack just slaughters them like jason in about what three minutes <laughs> two minutes i think the chase scene lasted longer than the it's just like oh, i'm gonna pull one guy through the floor and kill him another guy through the wall and kill him <laughs> it's just like a slasher movie all of a sudden until there's only two nsa agents left one is sandal bergman and one is the other guy who takes off running for his life until he runs right out in front of a speeding cop car and gets killed <laughs> It's one of the highlights of the movie is when this guy gets he gets splattered by the car and his body's just laying up on the hood, and then all of a sudden Sandal Bergman comes running out, and then the tracker comes running out, and then the pack just shows up and he fires the electric whiff- lightning whiffle ball at him, and then the pack like it just like bzz, 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 and it just goes on forever, just kind of standing there with this like really cheesy looking lightning effect. And then it just kind of flexes its arms and then just turns and runs away.
1: And and then it doesn't, it doesn't just run away. It does the scary movie like slasher killer runaway, where it kind of like turns and just runs three feet out of frame. Like it, it and it almost takes like really fast baby steps when it does it. You can almost hear it go like Zoinks! You know, it's unbelievable like how This movie treats its own, like, would-be-threatening villain.
0: Yes, and then the very next thing is Sandal Bergman looks at the tracker and is like, What happened? And he's like, I don't know. (laughs) Like, yes, it's always good when, (laughs) when the characters are conveying that even the people making the movie don't really understand what's going on. But then he turns to the cop and says, Go get help. And the best part is the cop jumps back into his car and starts backing out, and the body just rolls off the hood onto <laughs> the ground, which is the, maybe the, maybe the most unintentionally funny scene of the movie. And then, I, the, uh, yes,
1: I love the casual disregard for the corpse. It's just kind of like, oh shit, that was the thing.
0: Yeah. So, so then the rest of the movie from this point on, and at this point we're about, we're probably close to the halfway point of the movie. The rest of the movie is nothing, but the tracker and Sandal Bergman walking through the woods, looking for the pack, explaining some backstory about, you know, the alien race, very vague, but then you have the sheriff and the UFO expert also doing their own investigating. And then the pack just randomly killing some people, including that one great scene where it takes out a sheriff's deputy and it's just kind of standing over him. And it just like, it, like casually just swiping back and forth, waving its arms to pretend like it's slashing the guy's chest, even though you can clearly tell no contact is being made. And and then, of course, like I said, punching and bitch-slapping. Lots of punching and bitch-slapping. Forever. Back and forth. Because you have to understand something. This isn't just about, like, stopping this alien thing that's killing people. This is about the fact that we have a ticking time clock scenario going on. Because in crashing to Earth, somehow the pack damaged its belt buckle which apparently has enough nuclear explosives in it to blow up the entire planet. And they only have like what, like 12 hours, six hours. I forget what the exact ticking time clock is. The belt buckle looks, ex- has a has like little electronic symbols on it, almost exactly like the predator symbols on the bomb on its wrist at the end of predator. Right. <laughs> it's just little like lines. that just kind of. So, so the, so I get, once again, uh, the tracker confronts the pack and is blasting him with the wiffle ball lightning, which does something, yet nothing, and then just screw it, they just start, one man, a man is punching a guy in a monster costume who is just bitch slapping with backhanding him repeatedly with his, his, his reptilian baseball (laughs) mitts. And this goes on forever, until all of a sudden the pack's eye malfunctions, so now he no longer has the laser. <laughs> and then the wiffle ball gets damaged, so the tracker no longer has that working for him. Actually, no, I take it back. At first, it doesn't. the lightning gets malfunctioned, and then they end up for another battle a few minutes later inside of just some abandoned empty building, where he he throws the ball on the ground and the whole building explodes. And yet somehow the, the, it does ab- this giant explosion caught, set off by this metal alien object does absolutely nothing to injure the pack and nothing to injure the tracker. So it was just a, a, scene, just a pointless scene for an explosion, which then leads to the fisticuffs and pib slapping out in a field, literally like the Rocky Five Alley fight, like the Quiet Man. They've just moved on now to another location to just keep punching and slapping each other. And then all of a sudden, Sandal Bergman just comes running in like, oh, hey, my my NSA agent friends who all got slaughtered, um, they left behind this rocket launcher. (laughs) She just stands on a patio deck, shoots the pack, which is standing about, what, three, five feet from where the tracker is, blasts it with a rocket launcher, boom, dead, movie over. That's it.
1: (laughs) So the tracker was... No setup. No setup for the rocket launcher whatsoever. Like, the movie... Couldn't even give us Chekhov's rocket launcher. It's just out of nowhere, like, oh shit, we should probably have a rocket launcher to wrap this up, and then Kapow! Gotcha. No! No! Yes. a rocket launcher.
0: We're not completely over yet because then the UFO shows up to take uh, Starman back to his home world, and he's standing in the or the yellow laser beam thing of a jig. And he's just kind of holding out his arm and looking all like lovelorn to Sandal Bergman, who at, at this point, there's been not one ounce hint, anything of romance between
1: these two. Well, there was, there, there was two seconds before he holds out his hand, because the first thing that she says is, are, um, are you ever going to come back? or um...
0: Will you ever come back?
1: And he just kind of has this look on his face like, nope. Like, nothing. Nothing played there whatsoever. No hint at it whatsoever. And yet, you're right. Okay, I'm sorry. I'll pass it back to you. Then he holds out his hand, and somebody has to point out to her, I think he wants you to come with him.
0: Yeah, and then, and then the cop is like, go. And then she does. <laughs> because apparently they're in love now, and she's decided she'd rather live life with this personality freak. <laughs>
1: Oh, but, but it's the, the creepiest thing, though, is that it doesn't happen that quickly. He holds out his hand and the cop is like, uh, oh, it looks like he wants you to go. And she's like, what does she say? She's just like, oh, I can't. And the cop's like, you should go. No, I can't. And the alien is still holding out his hand. And she looks at it and she turns her back to the alien. And he keeps his hand out and everyone's staring at her. They practically just force her you know to finally like okay fuck it i'll take his hand i'll go with the alien damn i can't you can if you don't i will Uh, i can't like it's just such an awkward moment where they're like okay yeah you should probably just go ahead and have a romance with this guy just go just do it just go with him
0: which is funny because because really, there there was more of a bromance between the cop and the UFO expert than there was between Starman and Standall Bergman.
1: Oh, the end of the movie. The end of the movie is totally The Exorcist, like it's Father Dyer and uh, oh Detective Kinnerman, like just walking off, you know, in the Georgetown together. The end of this movie. Why well, you say? We see
0: we can't find ourselves a drink somewhere, and uh, while well, I think about it. I just might be interested in hearing some of your theories after all. Sheriff, I could use a belt. Well, let's get in it. So now that we've, now that we've concluded The Quiet Starman, it's now turned into the <laughs> X-Files Casablanca.
1: I just imagine her getting beamed up into the spaceship, never being able to come back again, and just constantly reminding, like, again, not Christian Bale, like, I didn't, I didn't really even want to come. I don't want to be here. I don't want to be here. Could you just take me back, please? I don't think there's anything here.
0: Well, I was also thinking she just went along with it because she decided, you know what? There's going to be so much paperwork I got to fill out to explain this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's dead. I, I, it's, it's, it's just, it, uh, I, I, I have no idea why I have a soft spot for this movie because it, it's terrible. It's a movie where a redneck forensic pathologist spits his chew out into the remains of a dead victim. I mean, that's what the
1: pack is. It's it's a it,
0: it's a movie where it, it I, I'm I'm almost I'm stymied. I don't know why. Yes, okay, yes. I, I, I double checked my notes here. Yes, the pack's power supply uh, will, will is it becoming unstable and in. Uh, in 30 days it's going to explode so just think this movie could have gone on for many more days before they would have actually <laughs> oh and uh, oh hold a second i forgot to mention they make such a giant deal about having to stop the pack's power supply from causing the bomb that will blow up the entire planet and during one of the fist fights, not only does the eye the eye thing malfunctions no longer, he no longer has his, he really doesn't have his laser anymore the belt buckle just gets ripped off and smashed and that's it that's it, it it's just like that's it it's the most anticlimactic payoff for what they've been telling us is the main reason they he, he's here to stop this thing. He's not really here to stop this thing because there's an alien super soldier running amok, malfunctioning and killing people. It's because it's belt buckle could blow up the planet.
1: Well, I love even still like, even after the malfunctioning, it's like, do you really want to be waving a fucking rocket launcher around at something that could destroy the planet potentially? Like, I don't know that I'm going to trust that that damn thing is fully malfunctioned that isn't going to work anymore. Maybe, maybe, maybe don't shoot explosives at the alien who could blow up the entire planet. That's just, I, I'm, I'm weird that way. I don't know.
0: Well, you know what made this movie better? If Ted Pryor's uh, tracker had been more like his character from Deadly Prey, just a screaming, ranting brute <laughs> who, who chops off Redneck's arms and fights it and just starts bitch-slapping an alien. With with a severed
1: arm, or could you <laughs> imagine that the 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 predator esque pack creature just slaughtering rednecks right and left, and then finally we get Kyle Reese just strolling into the story. We think he's going to be the hero that protects everybody, and then he just starts killing rednecks too. I, I would watch that. <laughs> ah, hell, I kind of would do. Now that I say it out loud, yeah, that's it's not bad. Well, boy, this is. This as you noted in the opening, and I will agree with you, uh this was indeed a uh a movie. So Foy, I gotta ask, what are your final thoughts on this movie that you uh you you foisted upon me, as it were? What uh how would you wrap up this talk about the pack?
0: Hey everybody. Uh this is gonna be a little odd here because this little bit right here I actually recorded after we finished doing the show. And I'm going to be completely honest with you. I don't feel like I was really on my A-game during this show because my sinuses were packed to the gills. There was a lot of brain fog going on. And to be quite honest with you, though, watching the pack in that state and discussing it almost seems appropriate. But I think there's one little anecdote that I forgot to include that I think really kind of sums up where I stand on the pack. Because, um, as as Jinx made it abundantly clear, he hated this film with a fiery passion. Complete waste of time. And me, I kind of have a hard time fully arguing with him, because it's no damn good. And yet, when I went to sell off my VHS collection a few years ago, I, I discovered something that I didn't realize. I owned three VHS copies of the pack. That's right, this ultra-rare, super-obscure VHS movie that pretty much only ended up on the shelves of mom-and-pop stores right before they got crushed by Blockbuster and Movie Gallery. I don't think that this movie ever ended up on those shelves. And yet, somehow, here I am with, like, three VHS copies, and I don't even know where one of them came from. That's, I'm not kidding. It's like, I, had, I recognized one, I recognized two, and I had no idea where three was. And all three sold for a nice penny. Although apparently now it goes for even more ridiculous prices. And who can blame them? Because as much as we ripped on this movie and made fun of it, it was the Film Fantastic Award winner of the Best Sci-Fi Film 1997. And if anyone can provide proof of that that award is a real thing, by all means, let us know, because I, I got some doubts. But yeah, yeah, you, you, so yes, three VHS copies of a movie. <laughs> I mean, really, let's be honest for a second. That should tell you everything. The pack is absolute, utter crap, and yet I have no problem sitting here and saying I'd rather watch it again any given day than
1: Nomadland. That's just how I am. Anyway, Foy, we have rambled our way to the end of this episode. Now, before we go, can I ask, can you tell listeners out there where folks can find you at online? Uh, really, mainly at place at the moment on Twitter, at just the handle Foy Wonder. Good deal. All right, well, man. As always, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for choosing. Well, thank you for choosing this movie to to watch. I guess. Uh, you know what? I, I promise we'll have we'll have more interesting, more bizarre, better choices in the future. You know, I'm not even going to bother to ask you what movie we're watching next because we never follow through with that. So you know what, it listeners, me. Everybody, it's just going to be a surprise. We'll see how it goes. Fingers crossed we'll land more golden bat next time, but we'll see. In any case, thanks to all you listeners out there. As always, please make certain to like, subscribe, share, use the comment section below. Scream at us on Facebook and Twitter. That is at Screamatics, and I am at Jinx1981. Until next time, folks, thanks so much, and have a great weekend. Hey, boy, uh, you got anything yeah. for the closing? I'm so sorry. I'm so very... <laughs> Ha, ha, ha.